So this morning we want to just start to unpack Galatians chapter 6. And last week we had talked about what does it look like to live a godly life? What does it look like physically for me and for you who claim to be Christians? What does it look like to not sin and to live for Christ and to walk by the Spirit? Because the scripture said last week, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not do the things of the flesh. We will not commit sin. We will not gratify the flesh. If we walk by the Spirit, we won't gratify the flesh. Why? Because the Spirit is opposed to the flesh, just like the flesh is opposed to the Spirit. We talked about last week of how we need to set our mind on the things of the Spirit so that we would be able to live according to the Spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is death, but the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. And so we ended last week with a practical message of you, if you want to overcome sin, <clears throat> if you want to see Christ work in your life, if you, want to, uh, if you want to live a righteous and holy life, then you need to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, which comes from the Spirit, who dwells in you, will start to come out. But if you put your mind on the things of the flesh, then you, then you kind of till that soil. You water that seed, and that seed starts to come forth, and you have all of these sins in your life. And then you have this, 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 this battle going on between the flesh and the spirit, and you don't know which way to go. And we say, you need to get into the Word. You need to pray. You need to seek God. You need to be spiritually disciplined. Amen? Now, after a little reflection and talking, all of that's good, and all of that's right, and all of that's true. But after a little reflection, I think that the Lord had a little bit more he wanted to say. And he, he's going to bring that out today, I believe, in Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> because what we need to realize is, is that while we do need to do physical things in order to reap spiritual rewards, it is not ultimately a physical practice. It is not something that you can conjure up. As we said just a little bit ago, you can't program the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't manipulate God. He's going to say in this text right here that God will not be mocked. You can't force God to bless you. You can't manipulate him even with your good and right behavior to do something for you that you desire or think that he should do. So how many of us, we read the word of God, we get it, we do what the preacher said last week, but then as soon as blessing doesn't come, we look to God and say, you were supposed to bless me. Right? Or it looks this way. God, how could you do this? You were supposed to do X, Y, Z, and you did A, B, C, and that's just not right. Because I know God and you don't. What we need to realize is, is this is this, what I'm talking about and what I was talking about last week we don't manipulate God through the reading of the word. All we do is facilitate the movement of God in our lives through the medium that he has given us to facilitate the movement of God. The word of God is the conduit through which we are shaped, molded, and made into the image of God, into the image of the Son. So I don't tell you to go to the Word and read the Word so that God might do something and you can manipulate Him. No. 
I say, go to the Word so that the Word of God may be written on your heart by the power of the Holy Ghost and you might be transformed. You know what happens? What happens is, is that the Holy Spirit starts to move in your life. And he starts to maybe not even change your, change your circumstances. But what happens is he changes your perspective of your circumstances to help you to understand that that's not really what it seems. That your, that your problem was actually a blessing and your blessing was actually a problem. Hence, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, but everybody in the room chases money more than anything else, more than likely. But when we, when we sit and we allow the Holy Spirit to move. Now, you see what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about something physical. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about, and we don't never talk about the Holy Spirit. A lot of churches don't, <clears throat> and, and we don't as much as we should. We don't talk about that. We talk about Jesus a lot, and Jesus is the central piece. But the Holy Spirit is coming to reveal Christ to us. And without the power of the Holy Spirit moving, you will not see him. This is a supernatural act of God that happens outside of you, that he brings inside of you, that will change your mind and change who you are. You say, where do you get that in the text? Well, let's just begin to unpack. I wanted to, I wanted to put that little foundational piece in there that you might understand that what I am talking about is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that he does inside of you that comes out of you. The whole point of Galatians is that you cannot earn salvation. That it comes by grace through faith alone. And that is a, a gift of God, Ephesians chapter 2. And that you can't do anything to earn it. And if you try to manipulate God by your keeping of the law or anything else. Is that you make the promises of God void. Because they come only through faith. And faith only, faith is born by the Holy Spirit indwelling you and changing you from the inside out and birthing you into the kingdom of God. This is all supernatural and it's real. It's real. You really do get born again. You really do get transformed. You, your mind really is renewed. You really do go through changes. That's why we keep saying, if you say you're saved, but there's no change in your life, then you're lying. Or you're deceived. Because the Holy Spirit is real. He's a real person. He really is God. He really does come into you. He really does clean house. He really does make changes. He really does convict. These are not just words. And when it says walk in step, it says if we walk in the spirit, we'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And we must keep in step with the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? Is that we must keep in constant communication. Constant communication. God, what's going on in my life? You need to step this way. Okay. If you never talk, that's why I say pray. That's why I say read the Bible. Because the Bible is telling us what God desires. And as we pray, God will reveal what the Bible is saying to be true and write it on our hearts. This is supernatural realm right here, okay? Physical meets supernatural, okay? 
So let's get into the text and let's unpack it a little bit with that understanding and that foundation. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, there's our word, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The first thing I want you to see is the spiritual man does not seek glory for himself. You say, what is a spiritual man? That's what I want to know, right? Isn't that what you want to know? You want to say, so the one who is spiritual should restore anybody who has fallen, right? So we need to restore one another. If somebody falls, if somebody is in sin, how many of you have people in your life that they're sinners? Right? All of us. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. But how many people in your life who, who you know they're in sin, they have fallen, and, and they need to be restored, but you don't know how to do that. You don't know what the proper steps is. You don't know how to live and move and breathe in the Spirit. And so you're walking around and you want to tell them something good, but you don't feel like you can because you're not where you need to be. That's why we go back last week to say you need to be walking by the Spirit. There's too many people today that take the name of Christ but believe they can live however they want to live. No, you can't. Because you make void the promises of God. You take all the power, all the authority out of your testimony and out of your witness. I know this because I have done that before. If I have sin in my life, I can't look at my brother and, and convict him of sin or be used by God to rebuke him through the word of God. I can't be used because I know I've got this in my life. I'm not walking by the Spirit. I'm not living according to the Spirit. I'm not walking according to Christ and in Christ's law. And therefore, I'm not spiritual. And therefore, I cannot correct. I cannot restore. So there's people all around me from time to time that I see them burning I see them crashing. I see them falling. And I can't do anything about it because my hands are tied by the sin in my life. I hear people say, oh, that sin only affects me. Nobody sees me watching that. Nobody hears me saying that. Oh, that's only the, I only talk that way around the guys at work. It doesn't affect my circle. Let me tell you something right now. The sin that you have in your life that no person on this earth knows about affects every person that you know because it affects you. You hinder yourself and you quench the spirit of God that wants and desires to work through you in this world. You silence him and you suppress the truth with unrighteousness and you say, it doesn't affect anybody. Ask your wife. Why do you think your wife can come to you and say, what's going on in your life? But she don't know about that sin you've got. It's because your private sins affect public relationships. It does. It just does. <clears throat> so the first question we need to ask is, okay, what is this spiritual man? What is this, what is this talking about? What's this spiritual man? And so we want to look. The spiritual man does not seek glory for himself. Look at the text. Brothers. If anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. You see, those who are spiritual, those who are in tune with Christ, those who are walking by the Spirit, those who are in step by the Spirit, they understand that it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about my glory, but it's about God's glory. You see, the spiritual man understands that it's not about him, and he does not seek glory for himself. But rather, he seeks the glory of God in everything that he says. In everything that he says. You see, he is always looking to restore. He is always looking to restore. You know what happens oftentimes when we offer a rebuke to someone? Or we offer a correction to someone? We're not looking to restore. If you are not walking, let's go ahead and define being spiritual as one who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and in step with the Holy Spirit. And the reason that that man needs to be the one that's doing the restoration is that he has understanding. I I do want to do this right quick. You can flip over with me or just let me read. Listen to this. The reason that the spiritual man needs to be the one doing the restoring is that he has understanding and insight and God has revealed through the Spirit just what needs to take place and what the brother that has fallen, uh, what he needs in order to be restored back to a healthy relationship. You see, because apart from the indwelling of the, this supernatural, real Holy Spirit that actually speaks to you and shows you and leads you and guides you, apart from Him, you don't have anything, to, any tools. You don't have any tools. You don't have any real wisdom. You don't have anything to restore that brother. You can offer him worldly advice, but you cannot offer him biblical, godly um, um, Spirit-filled wisdom. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, listen to this. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So what is the only access to the thoughts of God? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Okay, keep that in mind. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So the only means to know the thoughts of God is the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit that we have received from God that we might know the thoughts of God. You see, so unless the the Holy Spirit is working inside of you and actually literally speaking to you, telling you what is on God's mind, you have no access, you have no conduit, you have no means by which to know what the thoughts of God are and how to relate this message, how to restore this brother. Is this making sense? You need the Holy Spirit. It goes on. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now when you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, that doesn't mean that you know all things. You don't become omnipotent because the Holy Spirit has taken residence in you and, and, and you have become God's child. You, have, you, don't, you don't become omnipotent, but everything that he wants you to know, he can reveal to you now. 
He reveals it through the Holy Spirit. He shows you, leads you, and guides you. But apart from the Holy Spirit, it is impossible. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. You see, so we have this gift given to us. We have this reality that is ours through God, that the Holy Spirit comes and he takes residence inside of us, and we have this communication with God, this relationship with God. And, and it's, it, all of these are parallels, walking in the Spirit, living according to the Spirit, setting the mind on the Spirit, being born again, being justified, being saved, walking, being in tune. We need to be in tune with the Holy Ghost that we might rightly hear from God what we need to hear. That way we can do what we need to do if you're struggling in your life to know what God is saying to be, to be able to have relationships that are being restored to, to, to overcome sin to, to do all of these things then you need to search out your relationship with God and what it looks like and how much time you spend getting in step with the Holy Spirit be spiritually disciplined you see, the spiritual brother, it says, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, is always, he is always looking to restore. Look at the text right here. <clears throat> it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, did you catch that? How oftentimes a brother falls and we just kick him. You stupid idiot. Right? How many of you got footprints on your back right now? Don't say which church you came from. It might have been here. How could you fall? How could, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? I can't believe you could do that. You're supposed to be. Is that what the Bible calls us to do? Is the Bible calls us to do this? Don't you know what the Bible says? <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> no, it says, brothers... If anyone is caught in any transgression. Now, I, there does need to be a little bit of Greek work done right here because this can be very deceiving. <laughs> what this does not mean is like if you're, if you're caught by another brother. It, that's, what it's, that's what it reads like, right? Like, you know, somebody's committing a sin and you open the door and they're like, ah! No, that's not, that's not the kind of cult they're talking about here. It's not like if I catch Robert in sin. What you give me that look for? It's not like if I catch a brother in sin. No, what this, this word really means, it's like if you've been entrapped by sin. This isn't like, this isn't talking about someone who is willfully committing sin. So we offer this soft, gentle restoration, this, this, this soft and gentle um, uh, embrace to bring them back into the fellowship. This is not being said of someone who is willfully, habitually, uh, 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 intentionally sinning and just gets caught by somebody walking in on them. That's not what this is talking about whatsoever, as a matter of fact. This is talking about someone who sin has been crouching at their door. And they're lo they love the Lord. They come out of Galatians 5, they're, they're trying to walk in step with the Spirit, and, and, and they're, they're in the Word, man, and they're reading, and, oh, this Word has broken me, I, I need to change, brother, pray for me so that I can change it, and they're walking along, and, and sin's crouching at the door, you know, and all of a sudden, you ever, done, you ever had that happen to you, like you just walking along, you're like, man, I'm doing, man, I'm reading my Bible every day, bam, 
You know, it's like that. I played football for a long time in high school, and I was that guy, right? On kickoff return, I was that guy. Like I was looking for that guy who was going, because I was coming out of nowhere. Because that was like highlight reel stuff, you know, when people are parallel with the ground. Well, it's like I looked awesome, but he just wasn't paying attention, right? And it was just boom. Well, that's what happened. That's what this is talking about. That's kind of what this is talking about is that this, this, this person who loves God is walking along. This, this lady who loves God, she's walking along, and, and she's in the Word, and she's, trying, she's praying, and all of a sudden, sin's crouching, and it leaps like a puma. Go, go like this. Go, wow. No, 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 for real. Everybody together. One, two, three. Wow! Yeah, that's what sin's like sometimes. Hey, you might laugh. You might think it's funny. But how many of you have been hit by the puma? I have. I have. I mean, it's just out of boom. And, and, and it always comes as soon. And you know why? God designed it that way. Because it's going to address that here in just a second. When does it always hit you? When you're on the mountaintop. And you're like, I got this. Where, where's sin at? Sin ain't bam! You know, that's where it is. That's, that's exactly where it is. So that's, that's this picture right here. So the Bible oftentimes says when somebody is in open sin, they need an open rebuke. So if you are my brother and you are defending your sin, I'm going to smack you pretty hard. I'm not going to be like, oh, it's okay, brother. I'm going to be like, wake up! Right? How many of you have been hit by me? I know I've been hit by y'all. Randy, you ain't got to raise both hands, man. We understand. <laughs> we need to learn balance. I need to learn balance. Some see, that's, and Dan and I have talked about this because Dan, he just loves to throw Bibles at people. But like, we need to, we need to, we need to get, we need to get balanced, right? And Dan and I talked about this. So I'm helping Dan get, get balanced and he's helping me get balanced and, and Robert's helping us get balanced and Heath and we're all coming together and we say, Oh, man, you hit that dude pretty hard. You needed to wrap him up. And then somebody else has got somebody wrapped up. You're like, why are you holding him for? Hit him. There needs to be this balance. And the only way that we can know is how? The Holy Spirit. We've got to be in step. That's why the spiritual brother needs to be the one doing the restoration. Because there's many, and there's lots of other things. <clears throat> in Matthew 18, 22, and we're still talking about this, this always looking to restore. And even when you hit somebody, what is it for? Church discipline. Matthew chapter 18, when you, when you put somebody out of the church, that's a pretty hard hit, right? I mean, what if I came to you and, and we went down this road and I said, look, you, you, you're out of the fellowship. Would that not be? That's a, that's a, that's a hit, right? That's a, that's a parallel to the ground hit. But what does it say? Why do we do that? So that they may see and be restored to their salvation. So whether you hit hard or whether you do it in a spirit of gentleness, it's always to restore, but different situations and circumstances call for different means of restoration. And the only way that you can know that and be able to do that is if you are facilitating and going under that water flow of the Spirit of God and sitting and waiting for a word. We're always trying to make it happen ourselves. So the bottom line is anyone who is trapped by sin and fallen, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. 
<laughs> so, so it's this, this, this gentle spirit that embraces. Matthew chapter 18, verse 22 says, Peter says, how many times should we forgive, Lord? Seven times? But what does the Lord say? No, not seven times, Peter. How many? Seventy times seven. Which you don't need to multiply that out. All that means is as many times. The perfect number. Seventy times seven is a whole lot of times. But it's even more than that in, in symbolic terms. He's saying, as I have forgiven you, you forgive. Forgive perfectly. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, that love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, it never ends. Let's continue on. There's some, some other really good stuff here. It says, you are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. <clears throat> and then it says this, which... Only through practical experience in the Holy Spirit have I come to have a better understanding of what this next line means. <clears throat> After he says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual uh, should restore the brother with a spirit of gentleness. And then he says, all of a sudden, it seems like it's out of the blue to me when I first read. It says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Doesn't that just seem kind of out of left field? He's talking about restoring a brother. He's talking about being spiritual and all of a sudden. Like, Keep watch on yourself, though, lest you be tempted. Now, this is where I really just, I was like, Lord, help me to know exactly what this means. I want to be able to help the people understand. And I want to understand because, you know, so what happens is, is that I'm walking along. And, and this happens to me all the time. If I'm going to preach a text, the Lord will hit me with the text. So here's, here's my practical uh, example of this uh, that happened in my life. And it's happened many, many times. And once I say it, you'll probably understand what I'm saying. Oftentimes when we go to restore a brother and we, uh, we go to help pick up his burden. Now that's going to be a little bit of a parallel to the restoration. So how do we restore with a spirit of gentleness? The way that we do that is to a brother that has had sin leap out from behind the door and, and tackle him. Uh, that that, that we go and not say, you're an idiot, you're laying on the ground under sin. No, no we don't do that, but we go and we, we crouch down with him and we pick up this burden and we put it on our shoulder and he's still got some on his and we grab his hand and we, and we awkwardly stand up with the burden. And now we're bearing the burden together. This is, this is the picture that it paints here. It says, uh, it says, bear, right after he says, keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is so full and so rich. I pray that the Lord would help me to come across clearly with this. So, our brother has fallen. He's fallen under a burden, a sin that has leapt out from behind that he wasn't prepared for, and it has, it has fallen on top of him, and the way that we restore him is, is to bear one another's burdens. And so we get up under this burden with him, like I just gave you an example, and we lift this burden up with him, and he's carrying part of it, and we're carrying part of it. Now, what will happen is, go back to uh, the one who is spiritual, never seeks his own glory, okay? The wrong thing to do is to take this burden and be like, Sit down, idiot. I got it. Because what happens is, is that in our pride and in our arrogance, we fall flat on our face because we thought that we could handle the sin that knocked him down. That's why we kicked him when he was down. 
So we picked the burden up. We put it on our shoulders. But we were foolish in our pride. And pride goes before the. And we fall under the same load. How many have ever seen your brother stumble and you go to him and you say, why are you doing that? You need to stop. And instead of bearing the burden with him, you offer him advice and turn and walk away, turning your back on your brother. Only for that exact same night or that exact same week to have the same exact sin fall at your door and you fall in it. You ever wondered? You got a brother that's struggling with pornography and you, 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 you rebuke him, but you don't offer prayer and accountability and to walk with him. And then you turn your back and all of a sudden there are pictures flashing in your mind of things you did years ago. And you've asked the question, where did that come from? From your pride, from your arrogance. It says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. Now, <clears throat> we must here look for the cross of Christ. Because if we don't look for the cross of Christ, then what we will tend to think is, is that we are the ones that are called to carry the burden for our friend. Or that me and my friend are called to carry the burden together. But no, this is only a picture of what Jesus Christ has done. I'm not telling you that you need to carry a burden. I'm telling you that you need to help your brother understand how he's not to carry his burden. When it says bear one another's burdens, all we are to do is reach down and grab our brother, pick up the burden and, and fling it to the cross of Christ and we walk free. What does these verses make you think of? It's got to take you to the cross. What does, it, what does it make you think of? That his yoke is easy and, his, and his, his burden is light. We're not called to carry burdens. We are called to help our brothers get out from under their burdens. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. So I'm telling you right now, keep guard. You make sure that you're watching because two things happen. Either you try to carry that burden and you fall under it or you walk away from your brother who is under that burden and one will fall out of the sky on you. But you help him up, understanding now that it's not you and that it's Christ. And this fulfills the law of Christ. Okay, all right. So what does this mean? What is the law of Christ? What is the law of Christ? Love. That's exactly right. So the law of Christ is most explicit, uh, explicitly found in Mark chapter 12. <clears throat> listen to this and John 13 34 says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another but listen to this in Mark chapter 8 verses 28 through 31 listen to this the Pharisees ask him in um, they ask him in, in verse 28 they said which commandment is the most important of all and Jesus answered the most important is here they are hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
So the first part, the first and greatest commandment is that there's only one God and you love him with everything that you have. So that is no to self and yes to God. I have nothing. He has everything. There's only one God. So that means it can't be me that he's God and I love him with every ounce of my being and he gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. You see, a spiritual man does not seek glory. He does not seek fame. He does not seek acknowledgement. But he seeks the glory of God and he pours everything to him. The second is this. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Okay, so. How does this fulfill the law of Christ? How does this fulfill the law of Christ? It fulfills both aspects of the law of Christ in this way. I want you to look at verses 3 and 4. This comes out of verse 2, obviously. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Four. Now that four right there is going to tell us how this bearing of burdens by the spiritual man is the fulfillment of the law of Christ. And I want to tell you right now, this should be your life. This is how you know that you're fulfilling the law of Christ is if you walk in these ways. And if you have these attributes and if these things are true of you. So here is how the law of Christ is fulfilled. It says, for if any, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. The first aspect is, is, is fulfilled in this way, is that, Jesus, that God is one. There is only one God. There is no other God. You are not God, but God is God. So when we think too highly of ourselves, when we think we're something, when we are nothing, we deceive ourselves, right? So that is the first acknowledgement. If we, are to, uh, if we are to put ourselves aside, if we are to put our own agendas aside, if we are to acknowledge God as God and the Holy Spirit and obey Him to go and lift up our brother's burdens, then we fulfilled the pers- first part of the law of Christ. Is that we acknowledge God is God and there is no other. And that we have loved him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with, all, with everything that we have. Right? Amen? So oftentimes, God calls you to go and bear a burden. But you won't do it. Why? Because you don't have the heart for it. Because you don't have the mind for it. How many of you Christians have said, well, I don't know what to tell them. I don't have the words to say. I, I just, what, what would I, I don't, I, don't, I don't have, I don't know the Bible. But God has just said, I, I, I'm doing it. I'm I'm the one that's going to do it. All I need is a vessel. All I need for you to is is acknowledge. What, do you think you're God? I'm not asking you to fix it. I'm telling you that I will fix it if you will only obey. If you will love me with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with every ounce of your being. If you will love me with everything, everything. I've got this. Trust me. I've got this. 
humility fulfills the first part. And then the second, look at this in verse 4. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. You see, a lot of the times, and this is especially true of the minister. And you remember who Paul's talking to here. He's talking to the, the Judaizers who were coming in and they were trying to tell these people what to do and they were trying to tell them how wrong they were and tell them, tell them what corrections to make. But why were they telling them which corrections to make? Why were they telling them to, to do all of these things? Was it for the benefit of the one who was supposed to be in sin? Or was it for the benefit of the one who was telling them to do these things? You see, they were seeking their own glory. And so is your, is your pursuit of correcting someone, is your pursuit of, 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 of watching somebody be restored, is it so that you can brag about what you've done? Why do we do what we do in here? Is it so that we can say there's a bunch of people? Or is it so I can see my brother overcome his sin? You see, do you love and trust God? To use you in every way? And do you love your neighbor enough to go out of your way even if it hurts you? Even if it takes from you? Even if it costs you your very life? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? This is the fulfillment of the law of Christ. Is that we love our brothers. That we bear their burdens. And as we think about these things, as we think about living for Christ as we think about what it means to to love God and to to live in step with the Holy Spirit as we see brothers around us starting to fall and, and this is where the rubber meets the road what are you willing to do for each other how far are you willing to go for each other you say you're a Christian you say you're a believer. You say you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You say that you have given your life to Christ. How many of you spend time calling that brother or sister that's sitting beside you right now? Do you even know them? Like seriously, look over to your right and say, I don't know you. <clears throat> we think of, man, we think of churches as a place we go on Sundays. We think of churches, a lot of times in our culture, especially in the Bible Belt, we think of churches, this obligation. Well, that's what you do. Are you saved? Yeah, I'll go to that church over there. Are you in tune with the Holy Spirit? Are you in tune with your brother, your sister in Christ? Are you fulfilling the law of Christ? Are you being used by God? Do you love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? And when you see your brother down and out over there, are you going and saying, Brother, what's wrong? What's wrong? How can I help you today? How can I take something off of you? I'm going to pray for you today. Are you okay? It's about love. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Is it because the love of God has so blessed you and so overwhelmed you that you can't, you can't take it? It just comes out. I want you to listen <clears throat> as we look at how Jesus Christ is the burden bearer. 
Listen to this. Speaking of Jesus, Isaiah chapter 53 says, For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and, by, and with his wounds we are healed. All we of like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for their transgressions. Simple question. Are you being Jesus? Are you being Jesus? Or are you caught in your own little worried world living about your own, living for your own little glory? As we all stand to our feet, that's the question this morning. <clears throat> it says, you who are spiritual should restore your brother. I got a feeling that there are a lot in here who struggle with the spiritual side of things. I got a feeling there are many in here who are not in step with the Holy Spirit. And I got a feeling in here that there are a lot in here who are. That you are in tune with the Holy Spirit. And you are hearing. And I praise God for the ones who are listening and obeying. I see your work. I see what God is doing in your life. And I praise the Father above for what He's doing in and through you. I praise God for that. But for those of you in here, you know that you hear the Lord calling you to go to that brother or that sister. And wrap your arms around them. And tell them how much you love them. To go to the mat in prayer for them. To get on your face in prayer for them. To offer that helping hand. Whether it be financially, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. Don't be scared. God's going to hold you up. 
as he uses you to hold them up. Will you go today? That's the question. Will you fulfill the law of Christ, loving God and loving your neighbor? As the band plays this last worship song, I just want to encourage you today to get into the Word of God and to study. Yes, do those things. But before you do that even, get alone with God. Get alone with Him. I want it to get weird. Many of you have grown up in uh, a traditional kind of black and white Baptist church. I've been to those churches before. And sometimes, you know, when I talk to those guys about the movement of the Holy Spirit and, and, and hearing God, you know, they look at me like a, like a cow looks at a new gate. So I tell you to get weird because it's going to be weird. If you've programmed God all your life and it's been like... Now, not all Baptist churches are like that. I just know they're not. I've been to Baptist churches that are not like that. And I've been to crazy charismatic churches that there's no order and you don't know if that's an evil spirit or a godly spirit. You know, does God really do that? So what I'm telling you is, is to get alone with the Lord. Ask Him to speak loudly. Tell Him, tell Him, open up my ears, Lord. I need to see your face. Open up the Word of God and as you read, pray. Don't just read words on a page, but talk to the God who this Bible is about. The Bible will start to talk back. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, it talks back. As a matter of fact, when I read the Word, that's what I try to do. I just try to read it until it starts reading me. There is a supernatural realm that when you hit it, you'll know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. Don't be cool with average. Don't be cool with the... And you might have to get into the Word and meditation for two, three, four hours. If in your heart, you're like... If, you, if in your heart, when I just said two or three or four hours, you're just like, yeah, right, who's got time for that? If you can't make time for that... Your time ain't worth nothing anyway. We need Him, guys, don't we? We need the Lord. We need for Him to speak. We need to hear. We need for Him to cry out to us. We need for Him to write the Word of God on our hearts. And only then will the fruit of the Spirit be born in your life. Will it come out and, and will it bear much? And your limbs just be hanging down so that the, the broken and the weary and the really short people can reach it. You need to feed the people around you and it hurts when fruit gets picked off. But if you're not walking with God, if you're not bearing fruit, if you're not in step, you can't help people. Get in tune with the Lord. Oh, get in tune with the Lord. Let's worship and let's start it. It's already started. Let's continue it right now. Just get in tune with the Lord.